Hello. You're on with Nick and Fiona. Yep. Dropping F-bombs and, you know, getting it all out there. Hi, welcome to The Playlist. I'm Fiona Williams and I'm joined by my co-host, Nick Bassin. Here I am. Oh, hi, Nick. How are you going? And we're also joined by, by your dog. We are, in case we hear some shaking or groaning later. That's my dog in the studio. Sorry about that. I'm so happy to be here because we've got an incredible show for the listeners. I know I say that at the beginning of every episode. You do. And sometimes I say that at the beginning of other episodes. You do. But I really mean it this time. We're talking about Molly's Game, and then we're talking to the star of Molly's Game, Jessica Chastain, which is very exciting. Did uh, your dog happen to catch Molly's Game? She did not. It was not a dog-friendly screening. Do you think it's something she would have liked? (laughs) Hard to say. What did you think of it? (laughs) Thank you for finally getting to the question. Uh, I liked it. I did. And I say that with an element of surprise in my voice because I wasn't entirely sure that I would. Um, this, Why is that? I don't immediately respond to Aaron Sorkin writing in a positive way. I have a bit of a love-hate relationship with his writing and he's directing this for the first time too. So I'm not I'm not again, you know, that's not a disincentive to watch something but it's certainly not an incentive. So I... I can be a little bit wary for the shouty, pithy scenes, like the the Sorkin moment. Yeah, in a big wooden, echoey room. I don't respond too well, and the idealism in some of the in his writing, I, I can be a tad sceptical and a little bit uh, cynical. Maybe that said, I liked this one <laughs> because <laughs> oh, took us a long way to Normally get there. Normally, yeah. I hate this. <laughs> Normally, book. I hate them, but I like this one. No, because I think it's probably the least Sorkin-y movie of all of them, and ironically, he directed this one as well. Before we get too deep into into it, maybe we should uh, explain what the movie's about. Well, this is true, yeah. So it's based on the memoir of Molly Bloom, a real person who uh, is, was a, is a former downhill skier and Olympic wannabe hopeful who became the mastermind in an underground high-stakes, high-rollers poker empire. And there were, her players were the rich, famous, well-connected, most powerful men in America, actors and business leaders and whatnot, before she got busted by the FBI for alleged links to the Russian mafia. I'm Molly Bloom. Do you know about me? I read your indictment after I got your call last night and I bought your book. Do you understand that you are charged with operating an illegal gambling business? Are you taking me on as a client? I don't think I can convince my partners to take a flyer on the poker princess. If you think a princess can do what I did, you're incorrect. I'm getting that you don't think much of me, but what if every single one of your ill-informed, unsophisticated opinions about me were wrong? I'd be amazed. I I wouldn't describe my relationship with Sorkin as love-hate. I just see him as a kind of genre. Mm-hmm. And sometimes the stuff he does is elevated above just the level of his genre, and sometimes it's not, and it's just this is a regular Aaron Sorkin thing. But he his scripts are done by masterful directors, generally, and a lot of people think that elevates the script. But I really liked this. I thought um, somehow in his own hands, it was it moved, like you said, it moved really quickly. It was very entertaining. I had a huge emotional moment at the end in a scene that, while simultaneously thinking, I don't know about this scene, but it worked. <laughs> yeah. And I, know, maybe, I know the scene you mean. Maybe that could be said of all of his stuff. Like watching You Can't Handle the Truth now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. I would be half rolling my eyes, but half exhilarated at the idea of Jack Nicholson, one of the best movie stars ever, 
delivering those kinds of lines. Sure. Like as a movie fan, I'm into that. Because mm-hmm. so many big Hollywood movies, that's what they're about is those kinds of moments. Yeah. So the, the, the big scene that I loved was um, Kevin Costner, who has been relegated to um, certain kind of dad roles in movies now, it seems like, a Superman. And, uh, that's true. He and Jessica Chastain are sitting on the bench, and he says, I'm going to give you a three-minute um, psychoanalysis. Three years of psychoanalysis in three minutes, I think it is. Yeah. yeah. And I thought, well, this is all kind of wrapping up kind of simplistically, and um, he's telling her all about herself. And the difficulty that I had with that scene, the duality of it for me, I brought it up with Jessica. Ms. Chastain, yes. Yes. And um, she had a very interesting take on it. But I guess what I came away with is the idea of you've, you've just watched a really well done, entertaining movie. And maybe in big Hollywood, that's maybe I feel like that's more that's rare to see that really well done that way. Like you mentioned with The Post a couple of weeks ago. Mm. Yes. And I think and people don't appreciate it. Well, I think people dismiss it before watching because of who's involved. And I know I said I almost did that, <laughs> given it's Aaron yeah, right. Sorkin's script. But anyway, uh, yeah, so, you know, people think oh, it's such a Spielberg, you know, I know what he's going to do. I know I've, I think I've seen it. But but when you watch it, you do see how when it's done well, movie moments are excellent. Whereas if you see those same scenes done by someone else, you know, hokey, yeah, cliched, filmmaking when you see it but here where it's you know where the scene's going to go but it's the surprising and it's interesting to watch what they do is i mean it's i'm tempted to say it's it's what everyone goes to the movies for Mm. i mean these but these scenes can be larger than life but they strike at some kind of truth some kind of reality that emotionally invests you but it's larger than life Mm. did i say larger than life twice yep that's how big it is and also I think it's interesting here because Aaron Sorkin doesn't have the greatest reputation for writing women in his films. Yes, that's something else we asked. Um, uh, well, yeah, for me that's kind well, of it as well. What are you thinking of when you say, when you think that? Well, all his stories are about men and the women are kind of not crucial to the storyline. I did like his Steve Jobs film that Danny Boyle directed just recently with Michael Fassbender and Kate Winslet. She was good in that, but she wasn't really a, a key part of the narrative. She was his offsider and his support constantly. She, it was, I, I don't. Is she doing a questionable accent in that movie? Yes. And I, the Facebook movie, there was hardly any women in it. There was Rooney Mara, I think. Yeah, yeah. And it was about men and this, and I get that. Um, but His movies are about idealistic men trying to do Big things. Yes. And I think he largely puts a lot of himself into his roles anyway, uh, into his characters. But, you know, it's more what he said at conferences and where he slipped up and just said things that come across as thoughtless or misinformed at worst or can come out as sexist at best. Right. Um, so anyway, it's interesting that this is a really good role and his first go at directing is of a woman and who is the quote-unquote strong female character. Um, that is Jessica Chastain's bread and butter and it's really enhanced by her her being in the role. It's really complex and rounded and I think it's good and I'm pleasantly surprised by that. Yeah, she does a really great job and the movie does as well, I guess, but with showing us how the character evolves for the viewer and for Idris Elba, who plays her lawyer, who is a fictional character. Uh, Sorkin just made that lawyer up, and he's apparently some a kind of stand-in for Sorkin. So 
when Sorkin first read the book, he thought, oh, this is tabloid nonsense. And then eventually you start to feel the gravity and the depth of the character. Sure. And she did a great job of making you feel all of that. Mm. And it's about poker. And of course, you read her whole life as the poker game and like knowing what your opponents have on you and calling bluffs and I love all, all of, of that. that I know stuff. I love I'm a sucker yeah, for that stuff. Me too. Me all too. of that stuff. And I movies with that kind of thing in it, I always go for rounders, uh, maverick. Any of that kind of card playing is always fun. Yeah, no, it's good. And I think probably what hooked Jessica Chastain in is, you know, it goes to great lengths to show Molly as having agency in this and wanting to demonstrate that actually she knew exactly what she was getting herself in for and, you know, basically being master of her own destiny almost. In a field dominated by men. Absolutely, yeah. Well, she's become kind of a, a champion of, I mean, she started Time's Up. yeah. And um, she's been a champion of that, those kinds of, of the Me Too movement and, and giving a voice to the unvoiced. Totally. And she just calls out the treatment of women in Hollywood and, and elsewhere, but specifically Hollywood and pay inequality and bad roles. And I mean, it was through her Twitter account, actually, I spot, first spotted the Wonder Woman outfit comparisons, the, uh, sorry, the Amazons in Wonder Woman compared to in uh, Batman, oh, Justice League, sorry. Calling out the skimpy costumes of the Amazons when the film's directed by a man compared to the more appropriate body coverings if you're trying to deflect from arrows and swords and whatnot in Wonder Woman when directed by a woman. Yeah, and she's happy to call out those kinds of things online. Mm. She's taken on this role. I mean, she started a few years ago after Zero Dark Thirty and it's it's just coincided nicely with a big movement happening. There was that great moment from Octavia Spencer at Sundance Film Festival recently uh, where she got quite emotional crediting Jessica Chastain for helping her to get to a better pay footing um, on a project that they're working together. We might even play the audio of that. Well, I have a story and you guys are going to be the first to hear it. Um, (laughs) About 15 months ago, Jessica Chastain, uh, we're really good friends and we had such a great time working on The Help and we were talking about pay equity and uh, with men and women. And she was like, it's time that women get paid the same as men. I'm like, yeah, Jessica, it's time. (laughs) And, you know, we were dropping F-bombs and, you know, getting it all out there. And then I said, but here's the thing. Women of color on that spectrum, we make far less than white women. So we're going to have that conversation about pay equity. We got to bring the women of color to the table. And I told her my story and we talked numbers. And she was quiet and she had no idea that that's what it was like for women of color. And so she said, I'm probably going to cry. I don't know if these are happy tears. I love that woman because she's walking the walk and she's actually talking the talk. She said, Octavia, we're going to get you paid on this film. I said, I I would love to do your film, but here's the thing. I'm going to have to get paid. And then she said, of course, and you and I are going to be tied together. We're going to be favored nations and we're going to make the same thing and you're going to make that amount. And fast forward to last week, we're making five times what. So we got a chance to talk to Jessica. She was fantastic. It was a great chat. Why don't we, why don't we listen to her? Let's Jessica Chastain, thank you so much for joining us. Um, 
I like how the movie makes a point of demonstrating and stating in particular scenes how much agency Molly has in her own rise and fall. Mm. Um, Given this is a real person story that we're dealing with, how much of it is true Molly, given we're talking about a real person here, um, and how much is a little bit of movie magic? Uh, True Molly is all the way in there. Aaron spent about a year working with Molly to write the script, and we see their relationship as depicted um, with Charlie Jaffe, played by Idris Elba, and Molly. And um, from the beginning with Charlie saying to Molly, you don't need me, you need a publicist, to the end of their relationship when he says, you're my daughter's role model and that's okay with me, that is that actually represents Aaron Sorkin's journey with her. And then me, I was very lucky that Molly was generous with me. She was so open with her time and I could ask her anything, any questions that I had about what she was feeling, what she experienced. So it was very important for me to show as an accurate portrayal of her as I could. There's a moment towards the end that I loved. It's with you and, and Kevin Costner on the bench. Mm. And um, I, mean, I thought it was incredible. I was bawling. Mm-hmm. Uh, the father-child uh, relationship thing worked really well right there. But I was wondering what your initial impression of the scene was, because it's kind of a, let me tell you mm. who you, let me explain to you who you are, as mm-hmm. opposed to her maybe finding it out herself. And then I thought maybe it's, that's how it actually played out in real life. So I was just wondering what you thought about that. Well, it's interesting. In the beginning of that scene, um, he says to her, you wanted to have power over powerful men. And later on, she brings that up and she goes, I wanted to have power over powerful men after the entirety of the scene. And he goes, no, I just said that to make you mad. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> and a lot of people forget that part of the scene. Yeah, right. They just, because it's such a, a heavy line to have power over powerful men and that that's what they latch onto. And they forget that he was just trying to instigate her because Molly was never about wanting to have power over powerful men. She was about wanting to have power over her own life. And we see that all throughout the film. We see that with her family. We see that in her industry and we see that in the government. And the film really explores patriarchy uh, and what that means when a woman is trying to navigate the rules laid out by men and even in situations where those rules would change based on their whims. Um, so we see that also in that scene. And the film, I mean, I don't want to give too much away, but what we would expect usually in that kind of father-daughter dynamic is that the father is caring for the daughter and healing the daughter and consoling the daughter. And it's actually reversed when you think about what is discussed and you think about even the body language at the end of the scene. It's the daughter healing the father. Yeah. We're very lucky we get to go over the, the scenes that we like particularly. Get, get the right line reading from the star of the movie. <laughs> Little took of the job. Um, and working with Aaron Sorkin, you know, he's his first role as director, and having a female as the lead of, you know, of, of a project he's written as well, where elsewhere he's sometimes cops slack for the way that his women are written, mm. um, the female characters. Um, what did you know of him going in and how did you work together um, and yet yeah, develop, develop the film together? Alison Janney's character on the West Wing, CJ, is one of my favorite characters ever written. She was the most intelligent woman or person, let's just say person, in every room she was in. And she was hysterical. Like, so for me, even as a child, my first um, my first knowing that of who Aaron Sorkin was 
was connected to Alice and Janney and CJ. So I never approached this film wary of how a female character would be treated because I had grown up um, inspired by an incredibly well-written um, female character. So yeah, it, it never crossed my mind. Yeah, sure. What is different about this movie to other movies that he's written, do you think? Because it felt, Ooh. it doesn't feel like A Few Good Men. It doesn't feel yeah. like... Um, Social Network yeah. or Steve Jobs. Yeah, I think what's different about it is, um, well, first of all, it's a female protagonist. Yeah. Well, there right? You go. There you go. That's a huge thing right there. Yeah. And because it's Aaron Sorkin, he's a political filmmaker. He's someone that even if he's writing a story about one person, he, he can't help himself but write about society right? And this film really does deal with patriarchy. The, the, it could, I, I don't want to say the film's ahead of its time because really a film like this should have come out 30, 40 years ago, but um, it, it really is timely. Like everything we're talking about right now um, in society and, and abuses of power and, and what women have to navigate as opposed to what men have to navigate. Uh, and that's Aaron Sorkin right there, uh, so I think that is what makes his films different than the other scripts he's written. And the fact that, you know, he's someone who had, he has so much power in our industry. The fact that for his directorial debut, he wants to tell that story. Yeah. I was really inspired by that because there's so many people I want to work with, so many directors and writers who don't seem to be interested in stories about women. Uh, so for him to really focus like three years of his life on telling the story, it was very moving to me. Um, and I want to talk about, um, you know, you first become sort of a really prominent celebrity making common sense observations about mm. women in Hollywood and depictions on screen but also behind the scenes. I'm interested when, when you first realised your power in that and the voice that the influence you might be able to exert, uh, just ha- how you found your position really to, to, to play a prominent role in, in the conversations being had. You know, it started after Zero Dark Thirty came out and... You know, there's such this fear of not wanting to step away from the status quo or um, you feel like I should I only should be known for my work. And then when that film came out, it was during Oscar season. There were some articles written about a supposed feud between myself and another actress. And it was very hurtful to me um, because it goes against everything that I believe. And it perpetuates a stereotype that society and Hollywood in particular has used against women for decades, this idea of um, pitting them against each other in order to try to victimize and abuse them. And I didn't want to be a part of that victimization. I didn't want to be part of that myth. So at that time, I just went on my Facebook page. I had just gotten a Facebook page and I decided to just call out the lie. Sure. I was like, this isn't true because every time a woman has a great performance, it helps all women. Like, yeah. It just, you know, it makes everyone understand that stories about women are important. And in doing so, I, I told the media that I wasn't going to play this role that they intended for me. And there was something very freeing about that. And ever since then, I've just felt open to call out something that wasn't accurate. Speaking of which, the um, the Oscars are obviously happening during all of this conversation. Yeah. Do you have expectations of how the topic comes up or do we, is it silly to have expectations about how it's treated or, because everybody is anticipating what people are going to say, what people are going to wear, 
you know, how, how are people going to speak out, that kind of thing. I don't have any expectations or ideas or suggestions about what people should say or do. Uh, I will say that at the Golden Globes, it was an incredible experience because, you know, the Time's Up organization was created by women. And um, it was women looking at an industry that needed a lot of work, but not just our industry, it's it's society-wide, and saying, okay, what can we do to help women who don't have the platform that we have? How can we let people know that we're all connected? And when one of us is victimized and abused, and all of us are. And to be on that red carpet with all of my sisters, all of us, you know, with this common goal and all of us, cre- you know, in charge of the narrative, it was incredibly empowering and very inspirational. And I hope that continues. And on the pay point, that video of Octavia Spencer at, at the talk at Sundance was beautiful. Like, the, mm. and, um, and, you know, just her honesty and the raw emotion of the moment of you know, revealing it. Um, can I get your side of the conversation that you had with her? Um, and um, yeah. Yeah. Well, I didn't, I wasn't expecting the story to get out. Uh, she texted me after she gave that interview and said, I hope you don't mind. <laughs> but I just shared some information. And of course, I don't mind. It's, um, it was very emotional for me to see the video of her talking about it because I do care about her very much. Uh, I think what's important with, there's so much attention that's come out because of of that story. And I think it's important that we focus on what we can do to make the industry better. So rather than just saying, hooray, this happened once, it's like, okay, well, first of all, why was she underpaid for so long? And second of all, it actually was really easy. Once Octavia talked to me and told me what her salary was, which is a very vulnerable thing. We've been we all of us we've been taught that to speak about money is is gauche. We're not yeah. you know it's not we're not supposed to be doing it. But if we're vulnerable enough to share with others where we are in the industry, then we're opening up the door to have someone connect with us and lift us up. It was very easy for me to do. I think it would be very easy for men to do. Mm-hmm. I'm 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 looking forward to the men that start to do that with their female co-stars. Mm-hmm. So we're uh culture podcast. We talk about TV and movies a lot. Um, and we like to ask our guests what um, what they've been watching. Loving, hating, anything uh, you've been really into. I love The Crown, of course, like everyone else. Um, what else have I been watching? I love Versace with my great, you know, Edgar Ramirez. Yeah. Who's, oh, I love him so much. He was a bridesman at my wedding. Mm-hmm. <laughs> He's so lovely. Um yeah, I'm trying to think what else. I kind of watch everything. I watch as much as I can. The only thing I haven't seen that I really want to see is, oh, what is it? The Incredible Miss Maisel? Mrs. May, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I want to see that. Or The Marvelous. Oh, uh, Marvelous. Yeah, The Marvelous. Yeah, yeah see, um, it's all the alliteration. It's yeah. it's throwing me off. Have you seen all the nominated movies? Hold on, I, I am watching them now. I haven't seen everything yet. But, um, you know, and we're not supposed to talk so much, especially when we're Academy member because you're not supposed to say what we're voting for, but I can, I'll just say, you know, one thing that I really liked, which has no reflection of what I'm voting for, right. but, um, call me by, um, your name was so yeah, powerful. Very good. Yep. Yeah. Did you see Lady Bird? Yes. Amazing. And you're and from Greta. Sacramento, right? Yeah. Greta, Greta and I, I, I'm so excited by her voice in our industry. It's a great movie. Yeah. I really liked it. 
think we're getting the wind up. But thank you so much. It's <laughs> yeah. been a thank real treat. Thank you. Thank you very much, you guys. Well, I can't believe we talked to the star of Madagascar 3. <laughs> Wonderful. She's fantastic. And Molly's game is in cinemas now. So Jessica talked about what she's been watching. And a lot of TV. Yeah. She wouldn't tell us what she's voting for, unfortunately. Couldn't wouldn't break some news. No. But um, we have also been watching things, mm. Jessica. Yeah. <laughs> you're not the only one watching things. Um, what have you been watching? Well, speaking of the Oscars, I recently had the chance to catch up with one of the foreign language Oscar nominees on Body and Soul. Oh. hmm Loved it. I missed it. It's screened at the Sydney Film Festival uh, in competition back in June, um, but unfortunately I missed it there. But this one's from Hungary and it's from director Ildiko Enyedi and I loved it. It's set in an abattoir and a meat processing plant oh, no. um, and it does not skimp on the detail oh, of what no. goes on in an abattoir. So it's very distressing in those parts. Yeah. That was my dog. She didn't care for it either. No. Um, but... Uh, it's a romance that occurs within the slaughterhouse, such as it is. And it's a beautiful, very lyrical film about dream life versus waking life and living and dying as opposed to not living. Anyway, got it? Yeah. Yep. Right. <laughs> no, but basically um, a new quality inspector joins the plant and she's humourless and aloof and doesn't really connect with anyone and doesn't want to connect with anyone. But through an employee psychological test, she discovers that she shares the same dreams as the manager of the plant. And through this, these tiny revelations, a um, bit of a romance blossoms. And I, I loved it. I really loved it. I haven't seen all of the other nominees. I've seen a couple, but yeah, I haven't seen the whole sweep yet. So, so you don't know what you're pulling for yet? Well, I love that. Yeah. And I've seen... A Fantastic Woman as well. I think I like this one more. But, yeah, there's a couple more I still have to see. So I'll save my tips until a bit closer to the big day. But On Its Own Merits, On Body and Soul is beautiful. What have you been watching? Well, I um, had the great uh, pleasure of watching Lady Bird. Uh, I've not got to that yet. Uh, Written and directed by the actress, until now, Greta Gerwig. It's about Saoirse Ronan. Well done. Yeah, thank you. She plays a 17-year-old high school girl applying to college, going through normal American high school stuff, coming-of-age story. I hate California. I want to go to the East Coast. I want to go where culture is, like New York, or at least Connecticut or New Hampshire, where writers live in the woods. Get into those schools anyway. Mom, you should just go to City College. You know, with your work ethic, just go to City College and then to jail and then back to City College and then maybe you'd learn to pull yourself up and not expect everybody to do everything. Lady Bird, is that your given name? Yeah. Why is it in quotes? I gave it to myself. It's given to me by me. Lady Bird always says that she lives on the wrong side of the tracks, but I always thought that that was like a metaphor. But there are actual train tracks. I thought it was really well done. I I don't love always, as a matter of course, uh, coming-of-age movies. Mm -hmm. I feel like they tend to... There's either the young adult version, like Me and Earl and the Dying Girl, or or The Spectacular Now, stuff like that, which I do not care for, not just because I'm not a young adult, but I just don't like it. I didn't like Me and Earl and the Dying Girl. Or they tend to be really quirky, Mm. Maybe uh, like somebody's just dumping excessive personality on it, like uh, Juno. I didn't really like Juno or okay. Garden State. And this kind of hit a sweet spot where it feels really real 
she's just a normal person and you're just watching her learn things that people that age have to learn and as she, she grows up and it's really funny. It's, it doesn't try too hard. It's, it's really, it's a very familiar story like all mm-hmm. coming of age stories are, but at seemingly at regular intervals, there's just new fresh takes either on that scene, you know, the one with the mother and the daughter mm-hmm. or whatever. And from right from the beginning, you know, it's, you can tell it's a different kind of movie and it's, yeah, I just found myself appreciating it so much. Search is great in it. Every Laurie Metcalf is great in it. Yeah. yeah, I mean, when I think about coming of age movies, I think a lot about like Rushmore for me is is my favorite. Mm-hmm. But that's not really like that's kind of weird. Like the kid is weird. I don't know if you recognize that kid and regular high school mm-hmm. kids. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's I guess it's hard to compare. But I think what about John Hughes movies? They're very coming of age. Yeah, and I hate those movies. <laughs> okay. I could not relate less to The Breakfast Club or Pretty in Pink. All of those people are aliens to me. Or if they are, they're the people that I tried to avoid in high school. Right. Or more likely didn't want anything to do with me in high school. Just a different world. Totally different world. Whereas this Ladybird is, it might be a different world to what I was involved with in high school. Um, I don't know. I don't want to say that it's so relatable. It's just, it just felt very real and natural. Mm. And a, a huge accomplishment for a first-time writer-director, I would say. Mm-hmm. So I'm pulling for her. Yeah. And for this movie, maybe Get Out also. That's the best picture. I know. I haven't seen you this enthusiastic about a movie in a while. I think it's because my expectations were really um, medium. Mm-hmm. I thought it was just going to be kind of a nice story, mm-hmm. like a lot of Oscar movies are. But I, I came out of there loving it. Okay. And... I surprised myself a little bit because there's a Dave Matthews Band song in there, and I hate mm. Dave Matthews Band, but it, it worked, and I was all totally fine with it. And now you bought all the albums. I have. <laughs> so yeah. Anyway, that's wow. that's what you've been watching. That's what we've been watching. Um, what have you been watching? Yeah, tell us what you've been watching, listeners. What has the dog been watching? From that stomach grumbling, yeah. I want to say. <laughs> Dunkirk. <laughs> well, that's our show. Please go to Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts to subscribe, leave a review. If you have a question or a comment of some sort, email us at film at sbs.com.au or engage with us on social media at uh, SBS, SBS Movies. Movies, yes, on both Facebook and Twitter. Yep. Speaking of Twitter, you can catch me there at anything but Fifi. I'm at Nick Bassine. Our producer is Jeremy Wilmot. He's not on Who Twitter. Who refuses to engage with us on social media. <laughs> and um, see you on the red carpet. Do you play poker? Nope. Have not. you ever? Yes. Did you enjoy it? No. Because of the money aspect or because you just didn't enjoy the figuring out the best hand? I'm better at blackjack. I've been told I'm a walking billboard of body language, so I think I I have a million tells. I don't don't even know, but I've been told that I have a lot of (laughs) – my body language is very loud. I played a lot uh, with uh, my high school friends um, and I've got this – I've got a couple of tells. If I get a really good hand, I do this (laughs) every time. Gives it right away. (laughs) 
That's quite obvious, though. Yeah, very demonstrative. <laughs> I'm not that good at poker. <laughs> I go, oh, wow, that's great. Oh, wait. Mom, no. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> Hello, ladies. Mama needs a new pair of shoes. Yeah, that's great. 